Hey, well, we are in our third week of this series called Unique, and the series Unique is a series that is all about you. It's all about how you're wired. It's all about how you perceive life. It's how you process what you see, because it doesn't take long to figure out that you and I, each of us, are very, very different. And it's a series where we're rolling through something called the Enneagram. Ennea means nine, gram means written down. And I think it's the most effective tool I've ever seen to really discover who you are, how God has wired you. And what's fascinating about this, it was developed centuries ago by some Christian monks, but you begin to see how founded in Scripture it is as you look at the different people in the Bible. And the reality is there are about nine different types of people. This is much deeper than a personality test. It goes to how you're wired, how you think. And so in this, we're looking at a lot of different things. Uh, What you see when you see something and how someone else, a spouse, a friend, your kids can watch the same thing happen and have a completely different version of what they saw. And they're not lying. They're telling the truth. They just see it a different way. Or one of the things we're looking at is for many of us, we've never really considered what it's like to be on the other side of me. Like, I know me, I live in my skin, but what's it like to be on the other side of me? And so we're looking at each of these kinds of people, uh, but I also want to make you aware, on our website, we have a page full of resources that I think you'll discover to be very, very helpful. It's c3church.cc forward slash y-o-u dash n-i-q-u-e. There's some books there that can be helpful. I've gleaned a lot. These are books that I've looked at, read, read through and studied. I've learned a lot from Pastor Brown in California who did a similar series. I've gleaned a ton from him. What's so cool about this, whatever your number is, there's also a resource on that site to take a free test that'll tell you if you're a one or a three or a five or seven, whatever. Whatever your number is, there's this group that has written a song for each number. So you have a song. You may not have even known that. You have a song. So all those resources are there at that link. Check that out. What we're trying to do in this series is really add value to you, to your life, add resources where you can maybe understand some things about you that you've never understood. Why do I think this way? Or why do I process like this? Or, or why does the person I'm dating or the person I'm married to, or why, why does my child process like this? This is going to help. And then through this series, there's a phone number on the screen throughout the entire message. If you have questions that pop up as I'm talking about something, feel free, text those in. And this evening, we'll be putting that up. Uh, I'll do a video. And if you follow me on social media, it's just at Byron Bledsoe on everything. If you follow me on social media, uh, you'll see when that goes up. We'll, we'll put stuff out about that. And then you'll be able to check out what the most common questions were from the morning. Because I really do want to answer questions you may have about what we're talking about. In week one, we looked at the reformer. The reformer is the person who sees how things could be better. And just ha- has this drive to try to figure out how to, how to make it better. It could be called the perfectionist. And then last week, we looked at the helper. The person who serves and and who sees what's not being done and how to help and how to take care of things. Huge in hospitality. This morning, now before I tell you what we're going to look at this morning, type three, I need to let you know two things. One, I am not type three. We'll get to my type in a minute, but I have a whole lot of three in me. So if you're in the room and you're a three, and it feels like, man, he's coming a little strong today. Hey, I'm, I'm talking to myself. Like, I, I, I get it. I'm with you. So if, if, if you feel like I'm getting in your grill a little bit, I'm getting in my own at the same time. The other thing you need to know is if you are married to uh, or have a parent or a child that is or in close relationship with a three, 
You need to go to Walmart today and buy a hard hat. And you need to buy some equipment to protect you. Because it is difficult often to live with people that are threes. It's just difficult because as threes, when we're functioning in an unhealthy way, it's very difficult for the people that love us the most. And so we're going to look at what is it to be healthy, what is it to be unhealthy. It's the achiever. Three is the achiever. Three is the person who is wired to win. This is not the person you play Monopoly or Uno with ever. They feel like if they're not cheating, they're not winning. They're not playing. It's all about the win. How do I beat you at whatever it is in life? How do I come out as number one? That's the achiever. And that desire we have to be wired to win, that's not a bad thing. Please don't misunderstand. Ambition is not a bad thing. Some of us could use a little more of it. But, but how do you function in a way that you're ambitious, you're pursuing the life God has for you, you're pursuing what, what God created you to do, but in a healthy way? How do you pull that off? Some threes that you may have known, Michael Jordan, Oprah Winfrey, Elvis Presley, they were all threes. So if you're a three, you're in good company. There's also a three in scripture. Luke chapter 18, the Bible records this story about an occasion where Jesus had this interaction, a certain ruler... Now, some, some of the Gospels call him a rich young ruler. Luke says a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what he's asking? How do I win? How do I win in this life? But also, if there's another life coming, how do I make sure I win in that life? How do I set myself up to win? Parents, if you have a child and they're five or six years old and they're interested in buying a three-piece suit, They might be a number three. If you have a kid and you have a family business and they're saying, okay, dad, when, mom, when when y'all die, like who's going to run things? What's that going to look like? They might be a three. They're not plotting your death. They're just planning their future because they want to be in charge and to run that thing. But, But notice what happens. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Why are you acknowledging that I'm good. And and why are you, the way you're wired to win and the way you're wired to be in charge, why are you coming to me? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's not adulting in a good way. Like, like that's not you've achieved some level. No, no, that's if you are having sex with somebody that is not your spouse or somebody else's spouse. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. Hey, threes, you shall not give false testimony. That's going to bother you in a few minutes. Honor your father and your mother. And then notice the response of the, of the young ruler. All these I have kept since I was a boy. I've got it. I'm winning. I've done all of that. Everything's good in my life. I'm doing that better than most people. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Hey, whether you're three or not, if Jesus could sit down with you and have some coffee, drunken monkey, Bumby Avenue, cool atmosphere. A lot of unemployed people hanging out there, but cool atmosphere. If Jesus could sit down and have some coffee with you, and he looked you in the face, and with a face full of love. In fact, one translation says when Jesus heard this, he felt genuine love and said, 
I wonder if it's because often it's hard for threes to feel genuine love. It's all about the win and the next thing we're going to conquer and the next thing we're going to achieve. And if you're not careful, you can be so such in hot pursuit of your goals and your dreams that you don't take the time to love the people that are around you for the ride. But if Jesus could say you lack one thing in your life, do you know what that would be? If Jesus could sit down with you, you you lack, I mean, just imagine this. It's not a list. It's not 12 things. It's 20. I mean, the thought for me that Jesus would say you lack one thing, that, that's a win in itself because I thought it was 100 million things I lacked. Like, that, that's good. But one thing, what would it be? You still like one thing. For, for this guy, this three, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, think about it. Jesus lays out all these commands, and this young ruler says, I'm good. I've done all of that. And it's like Jesus is saying, really? What's the first commandment? Let's start with number one. You shall have no other gods before me. But you worship wealth and status and title and what people think of you. What's the second one? Don't have any idols. If you're a three and you're functioning in an unhealthy way, you bow to the idol of what kind of car you have or how big your house is or how you impress other people with how much you make or what you wear or where you go. You take, you take the best Instagram pictures on vacation because you take the vacations we're all jealous of. And, and, and listen, you might be taken out a loan to do it, but you, don't, you just need to have the look of being successful. In Texas, where I'm from, we call it a $50,000 millionaire. You make 50 grand a year, but you act like you make a million a year. And we all know what you do. Like, that job doesn't pay. Like, we know you're not fooling anybody. Unless you inherited some money, then God bless you. Hope you're tithing. But, but, <laughs> but he's confronting him. See, sometimes we can think we're good with God when the reality is we have some blind spots. And as a three, you can be so focused on achieving that goal. And and, and the thing about three is once you achieve the goal, you're on to the next goal. You don't stop moving. You're always pursuing the next thing. There's something else to conquer, something else to achieve. And listen, because of that, you get so much done. There's so much that happens in the world that would not even happen if you didn't exist. You accomplish so many things. You are gifted in a very unique way. You are a blessing to all of us in culture and society because you lead the way. And because you lead the way, you make it easy for others to follow your path. When you're functioning in a healthy way, you can build teams that are unstoppable. You can achieve more than most people ever will in a lifetime in just a few years. You can go further, faster in your life when you're being healthy. But you have to notice the blind spots to get to healthy. I don't lack anything. I'm self-made. I accomplished everything. I put myself through school. I got this job and worked hard and elevated to this. And I've done this. Pause. Three, three, three. Who gave you the gifts and abilities to accomplish what you've accomplished? Who gave you the mind to process so quickly what you're able to see that needs to be done next? See, here's the thing. The ones, the ones we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you see how things can be improved. The twos, you see what, what needs to be done. The threes, where you're really unique, you see what nobody else sees. You see what can become. You are 
the Wright brothers when everybody thought it'd be impossible to fly and you have a bicycle shop and yet you see some possibilities that no one else is seeing. It's an incredible gift. And when you function in a healthy way, you bring blessing not only to your life, but to a lot of people around you. You lack one thing. So, so let's go to the one thing. You think you've got it all down, young ruler. Let, let's go to that one thing that you're going to struggle with to show you that you don't have it all down. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, you know what I've noticed about this sell everything you have verse? For younger people often or college students, there's no be all right, all right, everything, no problem. I'll do that. And if I'm going to gain all that, I'll say, I don't have much. You know who this is hard for? People that have much. People that have worked hard to get what they've gotten. People that have built something from nothing. People that have achieved in life and have a good income and a great retirement portfolio and they've been wise and they've been aggressive when they needed to be aggressive and they've been cautious when they need to be cautious, but they're, they're going after these goals. The person who, who has worked hard to get what they have and because of that they have something that's hard for, especially if you're a three, because you have produced so much, and the idea of selling it is completely counterintuitive to how you're wired. You, you don't go through life getting rid of things. You go through life acquiring things. And notice the young ruler. When he heard this, he became very sad. Because he was very wealthy. Jesus said, you lack one thing. And that one thing, this young ruler decided, I can't do. The sadness is not there because he disagrees with Jesus. He knows he's telling the truth. The sadness is there because he makes a decision in the moment, a deliberate decision. No, I'm not doing that. I came and there was such an urgency. I needed to know, what, what's this thing I need to do to inherit eternal life? I want that. I want to win in this life. I want to win in the next life. And he's just been told the one thing you need to do to win in this life and the next, he's not going to be willing to do. How, how different would his life have looked? How different would his family have looked? How, how different would we be talking about this thing that happened in history this morning if he would have said, that's going to be really hard, but you're God and I'm not, okay. But because he wasn't, this guy, this guy finishes his life and goes to hell. Because the one thing Jesus said was necessary, he said, no thanks. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to, inherit, to, to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is. Sometimes you meet people and they say, man, well, when we get to this stage financially, or when I achieve this title, the bonuses that will come with that, when I get to this place, then we'll be able to be generous and make a difference in the lives of other people. Well, how much do you need to achieve that point? And you know what I've discovered? People that think like this young ruler, every time they get more, it's not enough. They still need more. What's baffling to me is none of the stuff that many of us are chasing and acquiring will go with us when this life is over. 
we are placing such value on the temporary. And if you're a three, you're so focused on building the company and building your portfolio. Have you ever thought about your eternity portfolio? Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is, who who, uh, who then can be saved? It's really up to God. You, You can't get there but through God. You can't get there apart from Jesus. And some of you in this room this morning, you don't believe that. You don't believe that Jesus is really the only way to know God in a personal way. And the way that I know that is, you never share your faith. You roll through the day working with people that you care about, and when this life happens like that, all of eternity, they're going to spend it somewhere forever, but, but you're not sure you buy into that. You, you can't be. It, it, it has to be. Now, many of you, you are inviting machines. You share your faith like crazy. But if you're a Christ follower, and you're not sharing your faith with a person you know that's a Hindu or a Muslim or has no connection with God at all, not sure he's even there, like how... How do, how do you do that? If, if heaven is real and hell is real, maybe it's just that we don't believe that. Maybe, maybe we think all roads lead to God and you just do the best you can do and I'll do the best I can do. And we'll just, we'll just love each other because we have redefined love as an acceptance of anything. And that's not what love is. In fact, the most unloving thing you and I can do as followers of Christ is not give a damn about people that don't know God in a personal way. And if you're ticked that I said damn, you might want to be a little more ticked that I said a lot of people we know are going to hell. Like that's what we focus on, not the word I said. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Do you ever wonder about that when you think about your neighbors, when you think about your coworkers? When you think about the people that you interact with in life and you like them and you care about them, you even pray for them when they tell you, man, my grandmother's struggling and she's going through some things in life. But you, you, you care. But have you ever thought, can they be saved? Could God use me to actually somehow reach them? Is that possible? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What does that mean? It is impossible apart from a relationship with Jesus, to know God in a personal way. It is impossible, apart from inviting Christ to come into your life and forgive your sin and live inside you, apart from that, you will not see God or heaven. And please don't think I'm being harsh about that. Like, I've, I've been in churches, I grew up in church, and I grew up in a lot of churches where it seemed like the pastor was excited some people are going to hell. Have you heard pastors like that? Like bashing everybody that's not here. No, no, no. That, please, please understand, that's not my heart at all. Man, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. I, I just, I want to love you enough that I'm the guy that even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, I say, hey, here's something to consider. Here, here's what I believe the scripture teaches. Now, the cool thing is you don't need me to get to God. You can read your Bible on your own. You can study it for yourself and just ask God to show you, God, is, is that true? Jesus is the only way to heaven. Would you reveal that to me? Would you show that to me? God, if you're real, would you make yourself known to me? Would you draw me with your Holy Spirit like the word says you do? Ask him. You don't have to get to me to go to God. You can go right to him. Threes, let, let's talk about you for a moment and the healthy and the unhealthy. Threes, here, here's your beauty. This is beautiful about you. You reflect God's hope. That's what you do. You have a remarkable ability to bring hope to circumstances and to bring hope to people. Your drive, how you accomplish what you accomplish, the way you achieve things because you're the achiever, 
the team that's with you or your family, the people with you, when you're functioning in a healthy way, you bring a whole lot of hope because there's a feeling of momentum in a healthy and positive direction. So people love to hang on to your coattails. People love to be along for the ride with you. Until they don't, but, but people, people love the action that happens around you. They, they love what's being achieved and what's being done because the thing about you, you get so much done. I, I remember years ago, it was a different test. We had this test done for our team, and the lady who was going over the test with each of us, because I, I constantly want to know the people that work with me, and I want to know myself, and I, I want to know how I can grow as a leader because I'm fully aware I have not arrived, and I'm in a process. As long as you're a student, everybody's a teacher, and so I crave that, and I, I have a hunger for that, and I want to grow grow more in a personal way. I want personal growth to be a part of my life. I want spiritual growth to be a part of my life. And I remember the lady doing the evaluation, she said this to me. She said, I need you to understand something. Based on all of your results, you run marathons mentally at a sprint pace, and you exhaust the people around you. (laughs) It's like, hey, come home to me. (laughs) I mean, like, you, you, you have to understand not everybody's wired like you. The minute the staff meeting is over, before you get back to your office, you've thought of the next 12 things we're going to chase and accomplish and do. And that can be absolutely exhausting for other personalities. But when you're functioning in a healthy way and you understand who's around you, your spouse, your kids, your team at work, the people around you, when you understand who they are and you think about what's it like to be on the other side of me, and, and, and you don't remove the drive and ambition, but you modify the behavior on the outside, you reflect God's hope. Your core motivation is success. It's success. You not only want to be successful until you feel like you are successful, you want to look successful. You were the kid in school that wanted the label on the shirt. You, you, unless it said J.C. Penney's or Sears, you didn't want that. But back in the day when it was Polo or Izod, from it, like you wanted that label. You, you, you were proud. And you had sort of a, a Macy's Nordstrom budget, but maybe you grew up in a Sears home. And it frustrated you. So you would ask for money for your birthday so you could buy the designer stuff. Whatever the jeans are that everybody was wearing, you wanted those. You had to have those. Because until you achieve success, you want to look successful Because what people think about you and say about you matters a whole lot. And that can be dangerous. Because when you're an achiever, you're going to lead things. And if you're in leadership in any arena of life, please understand something. There are a lot of people that will act like they like you when you're on your way up. But in anything you're leading... You are only one decision away from your biggest fan becoming your loudest critic. And you have to learn to be okay with that. So in me, I'm not a three, but I have a good bit of three in me, the, the achiever part. I really try to shift my focus, and this has been very, very deliberate for me, and it's been helpful to me, and maybe it would be helpful to you. I'm trying to achieve ultimately for an audience of one. I'm trying in my life to be seen as successful by God, defined by God as well. And so when you're functioning in a healthy way, you keep that perspective. Your inner need is to achieve. You have a drive to achieve. And once you achieve, you need to achieve more and then more and then more. And not only can that be exhausting for the people around you, it can be exhausting for you. See, achievers often, even though they're achieving, live in an emotional state of weariness. 
you, you wake up energized and tired at the same time. It's just how you're wired, and you think there's something wrong with you. And now, this morning, you're kind of glad. You're like, wow, okay, okay. I don't need medication. I, that's normal for how I'm wired. That's awesome. What you try to avoid is failure. You have never failed at anything. Time just ran out. Failure is not a part of who you are. Failure is not like, that, that is a foreign kind. Failure is kryptonite to you. you. Failure is not who you are. Here's the problem. I have tasted failure more often than I care to think about. And I can tell you, there's some things in life you only learn through failure. If all you ever have is success, you're missing a huge dimension of life. Because failure, when you approach it in a healthy way, failure deepens us and strengthens us. And without failure, you can become very shallow. Without failure, you, you, you don't have the deepest kind of empathy or compassion for people who are walking through difficult things. You sort of become judgmental. They must have done something wrong or they didn't make the right decision or they didn't prepare the right way because in your mind they weren't successful. Maybe they're walking through something that's beyond anything they could have controlled. And when they are, they're learning something that you will never learn in the kindergarten of success. Your focus, if you're a three, your focus is goals. Goals, very, very simple goals. Here's the problem with goals. Goals are good but they're not the ultimate. Because once you set a goal, and usually goals have a time frame. I'm thinking about a friend of mine who said, within a year, I'm going to own a Maserati. That was three years ago. See, every goal, and he doesn't have the Maserati. Every goal, I think he rented one for a day, but apart from that, he doesn't have, he had to tell the truth. He had kids, like, I can't lie, I've got to have one for a day. But, but, Every goal usually has a time frame, and here's, here's the point of goals. When you hit that time frame, whether you achieve the goal or not, it's over. What do you do then? You're on to the next goal. If you have a goal of, I want to lose 50 pounds by next Thursday, because that's how we like to do it. So you've bought everything that costs $19.95, you bought it. From the workout machine to the pills you take to the drink you need to have to what Dr. Oz says, this is going to miraculously change my metabolism. I can sit on the couch and eat potato chips, but if I'm taking this pill, I'm going to look and feel like a new man next week. Did you know most goals when it comes to physical health are not achieved? You know why? They're impossible. Because setting a goal is not changing your habits. So a different way, if you're setting goals, set the goals, but in the process of the goal, ask yourself the question. If you're trying to lose weight, for example, as you're walking toward the refrigerator, and you know that in that bottom freezer drawer in the lower left corner, I call it heaven, you call it bluebell. It's right in that lower corner as you're walking to the refrigerator. Ask yourself the question, what would a healthy person do? Well, they probably wouldn't have bluebell in their house, but what, what would a healthy person do? And learn, hey, threes, set the goals. Goals are not bad. But don't live goal to goal because you'll be miserable and you'll make everybody around you miserable. Learn to celebrate the process. Because if I ask the question, what would a healthy person do, and I do what a healthy person would do, I've got the win right now, not in six months when I'm trying to reach a goal. 
and it builds encouragement and momentum in your life. So your, your focus is on goals. That's not bad, but make it more than that. Broaden that. It's not about a, a point in time on a sheet of paper. Yeah, it's a goal. That's good. But enjoy the process in getting there or people that you love won't want to live with you. Your core sin, lying and deception. You're an overachiever. You get two, lying and deception. But the biggest person you lie to is you. And the person you try to deceive is you. You have a hard time dealing with the reality of who you are and where you are. And what hasn't happened in your life. And as long as you continue to stiff arm that. And lie to yourself about who you are and where you are. That that marriage didn't work out because of her or him. My kid in school, it's, it's, it's the teacher. It's the teacher. When I grew up, it was never the teacher. It was me. We didn't have timeout. We had knockout. Texas, and that's how they roll. But listen, everything becomes an excuse because I'm successful. I don't do anything wrong. I'm not taking responsibility for that. It's not my fault. If you'd have done it the way I thought we should have done it, everything would have been fine. And you lie to yourself so much you don't even see it. Threes are the easiest people to see their blind spots, the things that they don't see. I've known some threes, and the ones that I've known that don't function in a healthy way, they always have to have a bigger story. They always have to tell you what they do better. And if they don't have a good story, they'll make one up because their own life is not enough. Threes, you can catch yourself when you're functioning in an unhealthy way, lying to people about what you did on vacation or what happened at the office or what happened when you were a kid. Lie, it's just, it's, it's your core sin. Your fear, it's being worthless. It's being worthless. Your core motivation is success, and so the thought of, of, of being worthless, you, you can't wrap your mind around that. How could you exist? Because we only get this one life. How, how could you exist and, and not accomplish something of significance? How, how do you put that together? You've got to be successful. So the things, the things that make you feel worthless, the relationships that make you feel worthless, the areas of parenting where you feel worthless as a parent, you don't, you don't let yourself feel those things. You convince yourself it's because of something else, and you keep moving on to the goals. And here's the thing about threes. Because you are wired to achieve, and you are successful, maybe not in every area, in some areas, you can become so focused on the areas where you are successful, you neglect everything else and don't even try. Threes, if it's a game or a sport that you know you can't win, you're not even playing. There's no point. That, that part of three is in me. I've got that. The, the underlying emotion I, did. I went to Bible college. Should I tell this? I, I, I went to, I, I, <laughs> this is going to sound so bad. Please come back next week. I'm a pastor. Jesus has changed my life, but I haven't always been a pastor. But, but when I, I played football in, in high school growing up, and I went to Texas A&M and was working out, trying to be on their 12th man team, and I got hurt. And that, that's a kickoff team because I'm way too small to be on anything else. That's the other thing, by the way, by the way, if your child is a three, don't tell them they can do anything they want in life. Don't tell them that. It's not true. They can't do it. If your son is four foot nothing, don't tell him he can play in the NBA. It's not going to happen. 
But we went to Bible school. First semester there, they had a flag football league. First game of the season, I broke a guy's leg. And at Bible school, they expelled me from the football league forever. That happened to me. I don't know why I told you that. The underlying emotion for threes, it's shame. Because you feel the shame of I'm not enough, I'm not going to be enough. And you carry that shame. And it causes you to feel like, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me or love me. So I have to be, or if I can't be, pretend I'm something I'm not, and very successful, so you'll like me, so you'll love me. So Threes have dreams, but the scary thing about dreams is when you're a three, your dream can actually be your nightmare. Because sometimes as threes, you achieve what you want to find out it's not what's the most needed in your life. Some of the things you have achieved have damaged your relationships and have damaged your life. You got them to discover you didn't really want it. And our God came to rescue us from those nightmares and say, hey, function in a healthy way. Threes, here's a verse you might want to remember, Psalm 119, 29. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. What does that mean? Threes, please, please, please. If you're a three, if you have a child that's a three, if you're a three, the facts are your friends. The facts are your friends. Don't ignore the facts. The facts are your friends. The reality, the facts keep you grounded in who you actually are, where you do need to grow. The facts are your friends. This guy, this young ruler was so successful. He was so successful that he walked away from the ultimate success. People who've been successful often walk away from ultimate success. How, how do you find, define success? And will your definition of success make you successful in the next life? Or is your definition of success so limited it only works in this life? James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So you go back to that person, you say, hey, you know that story I told at the office yesterday about that time I was jet skiing and the jet ski broke, and, but I was going so fast, I skimmed on the top of the water for 100 yards until I hit the beach. I didn't even sink under the water, and my feet, there, there was like no problem, and so next time I'm going to try walking on water, it was 100 yards. You go back, they'll say, hey, that didn't really happen. They already know, they already know. Like, you're the person they talk about when you're not around. Can you believe what he said today? <laughs> so confess your sins. Now, here's what's so cool about this. If you're a Christ follower, we, we don't just confess to God. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's a kind of healing that comes when you're honest with you and I'm honest with me and we're honest with other people because we gain credibility when they finally discover, oh, you don't lie anymore. The earnest prayer of a righteous person and you can't be righteous if you're lying. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You want to achieve something, you want wonderful results, live like this. So now, if you're married to a three, if you're married to a three, I pray for you and please pray for Angie. I'm, I'm not mainly a three, but I'm th- so pray for Angie and my kids. How do you love a three? First of all, encourage them to celebrate success. Threes have a hard time celebrating success. Can I tell you a secret? Don't tell anybody. Just our secret. I am insanely shy. And being in front of people is the biggest fear of my life. 
it takes everything in me to do what God's asked me to do. And I feel this kind of weight and pressure every Sunday because I recognize, like, you're not coming in here because you just don't have anything to do and thought, oh, let's go to Timber Creek today and see what's happening. Like, you're coming in here because you're, you're expecting something that's going to be helpful in life. And so as I'm working on messages, whether it's a series idea we got from another church or something God's bringing out in, inside of me or somebody on our team, I, I feel that. And I think about people that, that may not be Christ followers. I think about, in fact, when I'm working on messages, there are six specific real people that I picture sitting around my desk. And I think, how, how will that hit them? And what will they think about this? And do I need to explain that? All of that. And, and then we come to Sunday. And the thing for someone who's insanely shy about being in front of people and feels the pressure to deliver something that's beyond me because I can't help you. Only God can help you. So my responsibility is to dig into this and, and, and have something that you find helpful, even if it's a great day. When the service is over and I get to about right here, I'm not celebrating today. I'm thinking, it's coming again in seven days. In seven days, I've got to, okay. I remember one time one of the guys on our board, a mentor in my life, incredible guy, Dr. Thomas, he said to me, Byron, if you don't, if you don't learn to celebrate things in life, you'll teach everybody around you that celebrating doesn't matter. And you'll lead everybody to focus on the losses instead of the wins. It's hard for threes to celebrate because even when you, the super, think about the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. Nobody cared who was in it this year, but you watched it because it's football. So a few of you did, I heard from you. But, but the Super Bowl, like you think about every Super Bowl you've ever watched. The team that loses, what are they doing? Grown men that could rip you in half, crying like a baby. Now, in my thought, dude, you got to the Super Bowl. Like you're in the Super I can't even afford a ticket to go watch from the top row. You're there on the field. You, you got to the Super Bowl. But in America, in America, if you're not number one, you're nothing. We're the home of the brave and the land of the three. That's how we're wired. So encourage them to celebrate success. Threes can be so focused on the future, they mess up the present. They don't miss the present. They mess up the present. Because when you walk in the, from the office and you sit down with your spouse and kids at the table, you're not there. You're not just missing it, you're messing it up. Because you're growing up in a household where your kids are learning something else is always more important to dad than me. Something else is always more important to mom than me. How do you love a three? Encourage them to celebrate success. Matthew 16, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So threes, here's what you have to recognize. You can have a ton of followers but no friends. You can be the most popular while also being the most lonely. You have the facade of success even in relationships. But inside you feel completely alone. How do you love a three? Encourage them to celebrate success. That's the first thing you do. Second thing, be real with them. Be honest with the three. One of the greatest sources of loving humility to me is my bride. You're like, babe, think, think about this. Process this. Look, look at this. You need people like that in your life. Not her. She's mine. It's Valentine's. How do you love a three? Encourage them to celebrate success. Be real with them. Accept that they may seem a little off. Now, that's not, that's not an ugly comment. That's not, I'm not being mean because remember, I have some. I have some. I'm with you, three. What I mean by that, accept that they may seem a little off because they're, they're, they're just kind of different and 
seeing things that aren't seen yet. Right, brothers, airplane, people thought they were crazy. I mean, but they're not. They see things that people don't see, and they, they see things that can become that were not before, and they see how it will benefit other people. And if they can achieve that, in reality, yeah, they want the pat on the back. They do. That, that's part of the ego. But they know that what they're trying to accomplish will help other people too. Four, encourage them to connect with how they're feeling. Because threes hate feelings. Threes run from feelings. So you need to encourage them to connect with how they're feeling. And five, thank them specifically. If you're connected with someone that's three, don't just say thank you. Hey, thank you for doing blank. Or thank you for saying blank. Be specific when you thank them. Threes, two things I want you to know. Your integrity must match your intensity. If you want to be healthy as a three, your integrity must match your intensity. Don't cheat to win the Monopoly game. You figured out how and nobody knows you're doing it. Guilty. <laughs> don't, don't do, nobody will play Monopoly with me because I always win. But I figured out a thing. So it just, it works. So I, 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 rather than dealing with it, I just don't play anymore. That way I'm not lying and cheating and being deceptive. Your integrity must match your intensity. Here's the prayer for threes. Last thing. God, help me to find success in you. And help me to strive for obedience as I strive for success. What would your life look like? What would your friendships look like? What would your career look like? What, what, if you're married, what would your marriage look like? How would your parenting change if you begin to define success the way God does? It's a whole new world where you're still achieving more than most. But you're achieving things that will matter forever. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for your truth. And thank you for the scriptures, the guidebook for life. Father, thank you that as you wrote your word, you inspired humans to write it, but it's divinely inspired. It's not only so we can know and connect with you in a personal way, but you desire even in you desire even in passages like this in Luke 18 for us to know ourselves even more and how you created us. So I pray for threes that they would go into this week and achieve up a storm. But that achievement would be defined the way you define success. Help us to function in a healthy way. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're three, maybe you're not. But this morning, you know that the deepest need in your life is to know God in a personal way. Because nothing else really matters. A hundred years from now, all that's going to matter is where you are and where I am and who's there with us. Nothing else will matter. So this morning, if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, if you'd like to begin a personal, intimate relationship with the living God, I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. If that's what you know, man, this morning I need to take that step. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus knows even our thoughts. So you just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Christ's name, amen. 